forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning on winning inside, fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Okay, uh, my name is Scotty Young. I'm here to do a commentary track for Middle West number five from Image Comics. Um, I want to thank Ben Blacker for uh, inviting me to come and do this. This is pretty cool. I've always watched like um, audio commentaries for all the movies I've ever bought. I've, some of them I watch them over and over. In fact, I, I've always talked about how uh, listening to commentary, movie uh, audio commentaries on movies have actually made me a better storyteller over the years just hearing uh, choices and and good and good and bad from uh, directors and writers and actors um, over all the all the movies that I've ever watched have have made me think about storytelling in a lot of different ways. So it's kind of fun to finally do one for a comic book. Um, I'm going to jump into this kind of just revisit this comic. I've, you know, this is issue five. I just finished writing issue ten, so I'm I'm pretty far away from this issue, and it's fun to kind of go back and and see where where we've been. Um, so, uh, let me just jump in. Uh, this is, uh, again, from Image Comics. It's Middle West. Uh, it's issue five, written by me, Scotty Young. Um, it's drawn by Jorge Corona, who, um, if you have seen this book or, or anything he's done before, you know he's mind-blowing. Um, uh, the colors are by Jean-Francois Bilot, um, who has been coloring me. And my any any people who I've worked with on books for almost thirteen years, maybe longer. We've 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 been a, t- a dynamic duo for a long time. I feel like uh, my my work doesn't exist without him. So um, always thankful to have John John on board with 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 the books that I either draw or or write or ones that you know I just write and have other artists. They all love John as well. And we have letters by Nate Picos from Blambot. Um, again, Nate has been, uh, my go-to letterer when it comes to my, um, creator own stuff. I love working with that guy. He's a huge talent in this business, uh, really creative, so professional, um, just a joy to work with. And, and if he'll, and if he'll be on board, he'll, he'll be my go-to person for all, all uh, projects from here till, um, till you guys kick me out of this business. Um, so speaking of Nate, you can see right away we're going to, we're going to talk about the cover first. Um, and I'll just start with Nate, uh, in the, in the title middle West, um, it's hand drawn. Uh, we really wanted a kind of a raw hand drawn feeling. We wanted it to feel very mid, mid, midwestern, um, understated a little bit, a little raw, a little rusty, um, and we also wanted it to be a little bit low profile. We we, we intentionally stayed away from anything that was going to feel like a um, comic book logo. Um, you know, we didn't want the big emblem on top or, you know, the big stamp. Um, you know, we kept thinking, as far as covers go, we all were kind of thinking of, of this project as, you know, a little bit more visually akin to maybe the way that you w- we would approach and you would see novel covers. Um which is, you know, sometimes the title is a lot more understated or you have the art kind of first and foremost. And, and it's not as much about the big shiny uh, logo. So we kind of went with that. 
Um, and while we're on the cover and speaking of those novelistic, um, the novelistic feeling of covers, that was my first thought about, um, when I, when I, when we, before we even started the series, we, Jorge and I talked about possibly, you know, approaching Mike Huddleston, um, to come on and do the covers for, for this first arc of books. And, um, just to really kind of tap into that, he, he is such an amazing multimedia artist. It's just, he's, he's such a smart illustrator and he's so good with, with composition and color and feeling and mood and texture. And he's just, he's just one of, one of the best artists out there in my opinion. And, and so I thought it would be a really cool, um, thing to have him on board with the covers and, and really lend that, that feeling of, you know, uh, that the gravitas that sometimes, you know, that a big 600 page novel gives you when you see those painted covers. Um, so that's, uh, that's where we're on the covers. Of course, we've got the image, image logo, image comics was one of the first things that really got me into comic books when I was in junior high, when image comics started. Um, so I still think it's so, uh, so cool to be able to, uh, publish my comic books through this, uh, this company that when I was a teenager, uh, you know, I, I read, you know, I ran to the store to get, you know, spawn and uh, pit and the max and, um, you know, all these great image books over the years. And, uh, so to get a be get to be a part of that is really cool. So I, I will never not, uh, highlight that image. eye on, on the cover of, of my books. Um, so we're going to go inside now. Now, like I said, this is kind of the first time I'm revisiting this book, um, or this issue, uh, in a little while. So, um, I'm going to kind of discover, maybe rediscover it along with you guys as we're talking about it. Now let's just get on the credits page, obviously written by me. A lot of you obviously know me from, or if you don't, but you, you probably know me from, um, you know, being an artist for the majority of my career for the, at least the first half of my career, mostly j- just handling art. Um, uh, second half of my career started writing some, a little bit here and there more in the most recent years. Um, you know, around 2012, I started doing the little Marvel kind of baby covers, um, which took off and has not ended somehow. <laughs> I don't know how that's still happening, but, um, so most and, and, and most of the books that I've written have been comedy books. So Rocket Raccoon and Groot was, you know, like a sci-fi adventure comedy. Um, I'm currently writing Deadpool and getting ready to wrap, my, wrap up my run on Deadpool. That Obviously, that's a superhero comedy. Um, I Hate Fairyland was my other image book, which was just a satirical look at, at fairy tales and, and those kind of stories. And, and that obviously was over the top comedy. Um, and Bully Wars with Aaron Conley was was a you know all ages comedy book. So I obviously am really drawn to humor. Uh, grew up reading Mad Magazine and Archie and things like that. So um, uh, I think I was just ready to start telling some other stories. So Middle West has was started kind of brewing in my head for a while, and um, I was really nervous because I. I didn't, I mean, I knew the kind of story I wanted to tell. In fact, this was probably the first time I'd started a book where I really knew everything. I kind of knew the majority of where this was going. I mean, not every single beat, but I knew the beginning. I knew where it was going and I, you know, I knew that end point, um, which usually I just kind of have a concept and then I start searching for it as I make it. Um, but middle West, I had this idea and of course it was, it was heavy and you know, I'm, I'm, I've lived in the middle West most of my life and, um, not middle West. I've lived in the Midwest most of my life. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's an environment that I'm, I'm familiar with. It's the kind of people that I'm familiar with. Um, 
And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of personal things weaved in this book, uh, whether it's, you know, directly inspired by things in my life or 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 friends that I grew up with or people who I currently know or, or, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a there's definitely a a, a stew of of influences and and, um, of inspirations for a lot of the, the things that happen in this book throughout it that, you know, are very personal to me in one way or the other. So uh, that's me on writing, uh, kind of my first stab at a little bit of heavier, heavier book, even though we're still keeping a lot of magic and adventure in it. You know, the, the themes in this book are, are a little heavier than, you know, <laughs> I hate fairyland. <laughs> so uh, next up, we got Jorge Corona on art, uh, which he's just he's amazing. Uh, this guy, um, it's, I, I can't say enough good words about him. Uh, I met him years ago when I traveled down to um, SCAD to do a talk at SCAD. And he and his now wife, um, I don't even think they were dating yet at the time, but he and his now wife and uh, had driven from um, Atlanta. No, they had driven from Savannah to Atlanta to come hang out with us and meet us and, and hang out. Cause they were going to scout in Atlanta or Savannah or one of the two there. Was, I, I might be mixing the two campuses up, but um, we met them there. He was a really nice guy. Um, great work. And then over the years, over the next couple of years, I just kind of kept up on him. Then he, then he came out with a book called feathers. Um, and I was like, wow, this is really great stuff. And, um, then I just kind of started looking at more of his stuff and I reached out to him and, and, and asked, you know, if, would he be interested in, in, uh, you know, working on a project together. And cause it was about, I was really starting to feel the desire to, to write books for other artists. And he said, yeah. And then it was just a matter of us kind of keeping in touch over the next couple of years, trying to find out what that project was. Uh, Middle West had a couple starts here and there where I might draw it. Another friend of mine was, was, was going to jump in there at the beginning and, 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 uh, but some other opportunities took him to some different places. So, um, I ended up, I mean, fa- the fates really put me with who, who needed to be on this. Cause Jorge, uh, once, once Jorge got some of those first designs, it was, it was just out of, out of this world. And now I can't, I can't unsee this book without, without his, uh, his voice in it. It's, it's, it's integral to the story. I, I wouldn't be, I, I, I would not be able to tell the story that we've been telling if it was not Jorge on the page. It's that's, that's super true. Um, none of this would be able to be, this book would not be what it is right now. If, if Jorge wouldn't have uh, jumped on this book with me and, uh, and co-created this with me. So, uh, then we got, we, we talked about Jean before Jean's been coloring my work for a billion years. Um, I think he's one of the best colorists in the business. Uh, um, I am bound to determine to get this guy, a, uh, an Eisner award at some point to put on his shelf because I think he's that good. Um, uh, so yeah, there's John on, on colors and then we've already, we've talked a lot about Nate. Uh, but you know, we'll, 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 we'll discuss Nate's, um, well, I guess we could just do it now, right? The lettering in this book is, is really a big deal. Um, because we really wanted it to feel, we just wanted to take away from a, what you normally expect in a traditional comic book, you know, oval lettering outlines to the balloon or oval, oval balloons outlined in black. Um, you know, if you notice, like none of the as we go through this, you'll see there's no black lines on the borders of the on the panels. We're letting the color just butt up against the gutters, um, and we kind of wanted to mimic that with the lettering as well, and just have the 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 balloons kind of 
hover in the air and not really be defined by a big thick stroke. We're not the first people to do this, obviously, but, um, you know, that was a really a choice that we kind of played around with and a few different things. And it's really the one we ended up with. And, um, I think kind of the wonky balloons that the wonky kind of dialogue balloons and stuff that, that, uh, Nate has been adding, I think make for uh, really beautiful pages. It's just really just adds to the whole composition of the book. Um, then we've got, Man, this the showrunner, uh, our editor, our the guy who just we we keeps the trains moving on time. Kent Wagon Shoots, um, he's a buddy of mine back from you know Peoria. I, I used to live in Peoria, Illinois. He's a buddy of mine back from back there. I met him. We became fast friends. And, um, he, he's had different jobs where, you know, being, being master organizer was really, uh, really a skill set needed and he was great at it and, and he really liked comics. And so one day we were just kicking the idea around of maybe him coming on and helping out, um, on that side of things with these creator own books, because, you know, for those who don't know, you know, doing a creator own book. It's, uh, you know, especially, you know, at image, it's your book. It's, it's like running a, it's like running a small business. You, you're in touch with all the, the production people at image, you're making paper decisions, you're double checking, uh, you know, all the pages before they go off to the printer, you're coordinating artwork for variant covers, you're coordinating artwork for retailers for the, I mean, there's just, the list goes on and on. And, you know, for the first while on I hate fairyland, I just realized like, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to write and draw a comic book and then kind of, you know, project manage it. Uh, it was too much. I couldn't do it. So I definitely wouldn't have been able to do more than one book at a time and do all that stuff. So, um, Kent is invaluable to, um, us, uh, making this book. Um, he really is that, that middleman for all of us that he's, he's just so diligent on the schedule and, and where we need to be and when, and always there to remind us and keep us going. And, and um, so, yeah, Kent, Kent Wagon Shoots, we love him. Uh, and then Carrie Hall, Carrie Hall jumped on, uh, jumped on, um, on board with us. I think I want to say somewhere in I Hate Fairyland, she came on. I started working with her, and then you know she did Bully Wars for us and um, and Middle West. So she is great because she takes all the stuff that we do and then adds all together into a beautiful design. So, um, you know, all the, all this credits page that we're looking at right here was all designed by her. She takes, uh, you know, our logos and puts them on the back of the covers. And, um, you know, when we need ads or, you know, ads for our other books, or, you know, if you check out bully war, she made some, she made this amazing credits page that was like lined notebook paper and looked like it had doodles all over it. Um, so Carrie is another person. I just keep, you know, I just keep getting l- lucky, lucky, lucky to have all these people on board with me to make these, these books. So, um, and then, you know, again, all the great staff at image, um, you know, like, that make these books possible. There's, there's countless people that work up there that are just, uh, that bust their butts to make sure that, um, all of us nerds over here playing pretend on paper, uh, can give you guys books. So, um, everybody up at image that doesn't usually get pats on the back. Um, I'd list all your names, but there's too many to list. So, uh, you know who you are, you know, that you, you know, uh, all the, the awesome men and women up there who, uh, kick ass and, and shoot emails back and forth with us, checking on paper stocks and, and print runs and comp counts and all that stuff. So, uh, we appreciate you guys. All right. So that takes care of the credits. Now let's just get into the book. Um, where we ended up, uh, you know, I'm going to take a drink. That's some behind the scenes shit right there for you. Um, 
where we left off in issue four was Abel and Fox had found, you know, the, the, the county, like the county fair, like amusement park um, traveling, you know, county fair um, and kind of gotten themselves into a little uh, pickle, you know, got themselves cornered, uh, caught shoplifting or caught stealing from a patron and, and, um, you know, some of the carnies kind of chase them around and they end up getting caught. Um, and Abel is, uh, you know, succumbing a little bit to whatever it is that's inside him there at the end. So, um, and that's kind of where we, we left off. And so this issue is jumping, we jump in, but not right there quite yet. I wanted to, um, we wanted to remind everybody we hadn't seen Dale in a little while. Dale is Abel's father, um, who, you know, the relationship between them and, 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 a, and a moment between them is what has kicked this whole series off. Um, Abel, I wanted to, we haven't seen him in a couple issues. So I wanted to, we needed to remind everybody, you know, what the conflict is here with, with Abel and, and, and Dale. Um, and I wanted to do that this time by not showing some, you know, by, by I wanted to go a little further back and show that, um, you know, this is a, this has been a relationship that's been tough for a while, but I needed also, uh, I needed to, to have a moment that shows, you know, a little bit of some of the things that he is hurt by. Um, and you know, some of them make sense. Uh, it, it makes sense. Not the, not, not what he does with the, uh, those feelings. Um, you know, they, th- those, those are never okay, but you know, it makes sense that you, he would feel hurt by some of the things he's hurt by. But so we go back, we flash back a couple years. Um, one of my favorite things when I was a kid, um, was, uh, my mom lived out of town, you know, my, my parents were separated. My mom lived in another state. And, um, so, you know, for birthdays or, you know, a Christmas or whatever, um, I would get, uh, you know, she would mail me stuff, you know, presents. So, um, I would always be around that time when I was walking home from school or if it was like a Saturday, I was always really excited and I'd kind of hover in the yard to, and I was always keeping an eye out for like the UPS truck, right? Because I knew the UPS truck would be coming. So there was always something, there was something, there's something super nostalgic to me about that UPS coming down the, the, the road. And, and, and is it going to be, is it going to be mine? You know, is that, is this coming to my house to bring me my, you know, whatever, whatever uh, my mom is going to, you know, got me for my birthday or Christmas or whatever. So I kind of, I kind of reached back, use that um, here where, um, you know, UPS truck is coming down we've got Dale out working on, working on something connected to the trailer. Um, we've got the, the pink stuff, which, <laughs> um, I love how much this has become such a mystery to people. Um, I almost don't go anywhere anymore, stores or signings or anything where um, the number one question is that what's the pink stuff? Um, which, you know, I, if you had, you asked me there, right. When you first got the book, I probably would have answered it. But now I like the fact that there's a, there's a question to it. Um, there, there, so I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to let you guys think about it for a little while longer. Um, um, and just say that you'll probably at some point figure out what it is. Um, uh, but you'll just have to wait and guess until that point. So we've got Dale out there working. We've got the UPS guy coming up. Um, and of course, uh, you know, he finds out that this isn't, um, it's not for, for, uh, for, for Dale, it's for his boy Abel. And again, that's kind of tapping into that. That's me tapping into that old, um, 
that old childhood thing of mine, which is just like, oh my gosh, is, you know, is something, is, I got something. What is it? Um, so that's, that was really, that's where that came from. Then we've got, we're, we're circling back around to him figuring out, or the, there's, they're having a conversation. And I, again, wanted to show that Dale is a part of this community. And it's a very small town. And in these small towns, everybody knows everybody. The milkman, you know, the UPS guy knows you. Everybody knows everybody. And so, and that means that everybody knows everybody's business. So, if, you know, if your, uh, your spouse left you, then that's, that becomes, um, you know, fodder for conversation for the whole little small town. And, um, so this is again, a a way for me to show an outsider. That's not a direct friend, but that's common knowledge that, you know, Abel's or uh, Dale's wife had had left him and, and that Dale is obviously upset about, about that. Um, and then we get to opening the box and obviously, you know, I think you can see where this is going. Um, I guess I should, should I say where pages were on. Okay. That was one, two. Okay. Now we're going to go to page three. I guess I'll, uh, I'll try to be a little better with, with talking about which page I'm on. Um, so by page three, you know, we got Abel trying to open it up and, um, you know, one thing that I, that, that, that part of the relationship that's very difficult, I think to, um, to put on the page is, you know, what's the level here? You know, what's the level of anger that Dale has and what's, what's the level of wrong that, that, that Abel does, or, you know, does he do anything? You know, what are, you know, what are the two things and why are they, why are they having such a hard time finding, you know, a common ground? And this is one of those moments where, you know, Abel is trying to get this thing open and, and like some fathers do, you know, there's very much a, you know, like, God, can't you do anything right type of attitude? And, so again, I wanted there to be something there that was hard for Abel to accomplish that he could be belittled for a little bit and kind of remind you that Dale has some pretty high expectations of his little boy. And, um, you know, and, and a lot of times those are going to be unfounded or, or even if they're okay to be had, he definitely does not deal with them in the right way. Um, but when they finally, we're going to go to page four now. And when they finally get that box open, we see it's a nice shiny bike. The Abel's very excited by, um, and you know, this is, this is a thing, you know, I, I think some of you out there, um, listening to this are going to be, um, product, you know, you guys are going to be kids who grew up in a, a house of divorce, or you might be divorced and, 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 you know, you might be on the other side of that line now. Um, you know, that, this is a real issue with, with, with that, which is, you know, the, the parent who's there, you know, on the, on the ground, can't seem to do anything right, even though they do a ton of stuff. And sometimes a parent who's not around, um, as much because of, you know, they've got to be off living somewhere else and they've got a job somewhere else. And, you know, for whatever, whatever the circumstances are, but the ones who aren't around seem to, you know, because they're not the ones reminding them to clean their room and, and, you know, do their chores and do their homework and, you know, grounding them when they do wrong because they're not there, then they use it's very easy to be them to be heroes at all times. Um, and so, you know, this is, this scene is there to, to kind of show the resentment that, that Dale has for his situation, which is he's here struggling alone, raising his son all alone. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and Abel's ready to kind of just get rid of his bike that his dad got him. Cause now this new shiny bike from the person who's not around has showed up and, and that, you know, these are, these are okay emotions to have. There is, 
you can feel hurt by these again, but this is, we're, we're dealing with emotions that we all understand, but then we're showing them, you know, me and, me and Jorge's job here is to kind of show somebody who's dealing with them incorrectly or dealing with them in a way that's not very healthy for him and definitely not healthy for uh, the relationship with the son and sometimes the physical well-being of a son. So, um, we start to show a little bit of the anger here of Dale and the, 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 the way that he treats his little boy is, is, you know, it's just, it's not good. It's not, and he, he expects a lot. He expects him to understand things well beyond his years of, of maturity. Um, so we're going to jump to page five where, uh, you know, he's just, he's just scolding him more and, and trying to point out like, you know, look at all I do these things. And, and, you know, I want, it's really, it's a real, it's our goal, but our challenge as well. It's a challenge as well to show the veracity of, of Dale without him being physical every time to a, to able. Cause that's another thing, you know, you can be abusive in a lot of ways, even when you're showing, if you're showing aggression, even if it's not, I'm not going to hit you. If I'm going to break this bike with this hammer, that's another way of, you know, you are showing such intense aggression. That's just as frightening to somebody very small as it is, as getting hit is, you know, like these are, and so there's a little bit of us trying to, I think, um, show the, that kind of, uh, that kind of correlation between, you know, physical aggression and just a show of aggression. These two things are still frightening to a little kid. Um, we are going to jump over to page, uh, what are we at? Six and seven. So, um, that's where we go. We got five. We got six and seven. Where now we cut back to current time, where Abel was starting to. Uh, he felt cornered. Um, we, we've we've established now that if when uh, Abel's emotions get heightened, um, then something similar to his dad. Um, may be happening. He's, there's been a couple issues where the wind is picked up and his mark on his chest started to glow. And so this is really the first time that we're going to be seeing Abel's, you know, it, the, whatever the, that, that fear, anger, uh, terror, all that stuff inside of him start to manifest, manifest itself. Um, on the outside. And uh, so we're, we're getting that for the first time here when he gets trapped. You know, we've got Wrench, Bobby, you know, two new characters we introduced in the last issue. Um, and uh, we just wanted to get you right back in the action after this kind of heavy scene of this heavy emotional scene. We wanted to take the aggression of the father. We want to take the fear of Abel in the past and transplant it to the current time right now, or, or you know, transpose it with the, with the current scene, um, to show like wrench and Bobby, um, being freaked out and Fox being freaked out by, Oh my gosh, what is happening here? And Abel as well. So we'll jump to page eight where Abel's starting to realize, um, Oh my God, you know, I'm turning into him. Um, uh, and, you know, Fox is like, no, we could stop it. You could calm down. Um, and these are things where we're, you know, we're, again, we're finally getting a few answers of what this is. We, you know, Jorge and I want to make sure that we, you know, didn't. Um, that this isn't a superpower, right? We're not telling the story of a mutant hero um, or, you know, a, or a family who got who has weird wind powers. That's not 
what this is. Um, you know, these are manifest manifestations of, of anger and fear and these things. And, um, when you live in the Midwest, um, you know, certain parts of the Midwest for sure, you are very open to tornadoes a lot. Um, and tornadoes are crazy. They are such a weird storm because they like anger, um, and like people who, who can't control their anger. Um, they come out of nowhere. Um, you know, one time it was, um, completely sunny. In fact, my wife had taken a picture of the street, two sides of the street. One side of the street was completely sunny. The other one just looked like Mad Max beyond Thunderdome darkness, um, just right, right beside each other. And it was completely sunny. And within minutes, it was a crazy storm and a tornado had come and pretty much erased the majority of the small town next to our town. And about 18 to 20 minutes later, the sun was out again and birds were chirping. And so just like that, like this rage, this, this natural rage just appeared and just crushed everything in its sight. And then was, then it just, the rage was gone. It was done. And then the day is over. And that's kind of what we've, what, what we have going on here with, um, you know, what is inside of Dale and and what's inside of Abel or what Abel fears is inside of him. And he's starting to realize that it, it might actually be inside of him. Um, where Dale's is obviously manifesting its anger. We have Abel who's, who's just been touched by his, by his dad and, and is now seems to be more manifesting in, in, um, in times of, of peril or times of fear where he's really scared. Um, and so in some ways it's going to be a defense mechanism, you know, the, the lashing, the, 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 the rage, it's going to be a defense mechanism. So, um, we're seeing that kind of come up for the first time. So we'll flip to the next page. Um, and this is where, uh, you know, Abel and Bob or uh, Bobby and, um, wrench are trying to, you know, shut Fox up so they can figure out what's going on. They don't know what's happening here. Um, uh, and you have, we're going to start showing for the first time, a real physical, um, transformation happening on our main character, Abel, who's been fear. He's been fearing this moment. Um, just like we all, you know, if, if anybody has a, you know, a, a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle that, um, you know, that is, is not, uh, the nicest to him or, or, you know, some, you know, just, just has a thing that you, you've, is a, is a tough thing to reconcile with. There is a real desire for you to try to be like, Oh, I don't want to be that. Like, I want to make sure that I make choices to not be that. Um, which, which is a real, it's a real tough thing when you're talking about families and, and over, you know, generations and cycles of things, right. Uh, cycles of abuse are easy to repeat because when you, when you see how anger is dealt with, if anger is dealt with, if, if you watch anger be dealt with physically, it, it seems Likely, I probably shouldn't say these things as great big brush strokes, but you know, I've seen it where it's very easy to feel like that's how you solve things. Um, you solve your feelings physically or, or, uh, you know, emotionally abusive or any of these kind of cycles that you can get kind of get trapped in. Um, so here we have Abel kind of physically manifesting his fear, um, which is going to, you know, as they grab up Fox. He's, he's feeling like his fear is now turning into anger because his, his one friend, the one person that, that he can trust in this world is being threatened by these new people that he doesn't know. So now there's a mix of fear and anger. 
And we're going to see Abel start to come into storm. I, I always call I mean, this is, we'll never call it this in the book, but I just call it storming out. Um, uh, so we have that um, happening. And then all of a sudden we have this weird language pop up, this, this dialect pop up in the, in the world. Now I, I wrote this, um, I'm not going to, I don't want to say what it says, but because um, I think it's fun for everybody to make this part up. But there is actually script here. I wrote script and, and then said, you know, we, we came up with a with a dialect to you know font to to um, do that. And I like to think of this. Thing, I just let Nate come up with this on his own. But um, I really like what he did here. I like to think of it as like weird crop lines, you know, like. It's like weird markings in the crops or something. So I really love what he came up with on for this kind of ancient speak that we hear all of a sudden. And when we turn the page, we see um, Maggie, um, who's who's we realize is the boss of the farm um, and uh, or not boss of the farm. She's the boss of the um, the, the fair, the carnival. Um, and not only that, but she obviously has some kind of mystic powers going on, which, uh, we will now know, um, is the mystic kind of the mystic mystic that they've been looking for that Jeb, uh, you know, they found that flyer in Jeb's old junkyard home. Um, they were out here looking, I think in the last issue, Abel said, you know, they, they, we, I don't think she exists. I looked everywhere for this person, but obviously the flyer was very old. They thought they were looking for a young kind of mystic gypsy woman. And they didn't realize that they were actually looking for Maggie who runs the farm now or runs the carnival now. And as she's, um, you know, she's obviously aged, um, and she is the person who uh, Jeb had kind of hinted that could help. And and obviously we are seeing now that there's a little bit of she's trying to calm the situation by repeating this, you know, some ancient phrase here. Um, and Fox is getting worried. Uh, Bobby's kind of like, what is happening here? Why is she doing some parlor tricks? I don't know what's going on. Um, but eventually... At, or Maggie is able to calm the situation and take Abel back down to, you know, keep him from going full storm out. Right. Um, it, which is, Oh, next page, by the way. Um, Maggie takes him down. He's calming down. He realizes as he's de-storming, like he, he's like, Oh my God, no, no. You know, like I cannot believe that this is me now. Like he doesn't want it to be him. He didn't, you know, he, it wasn't intentional. Um, and then this may be my favorite panel of the whole series so far. And, and Jorge just finished inking as you ate. So I've seen a lot of panels past where you guys have. And um, this might be my favorite panel. When this panel came in, when he turned this page in, I was like, I was mind blown. That last panel on this page where Abel is like, basically trying to say, I didn't mean to, you know, he's like just trying to get the words out of, I did, you know me, I wouldn't do, I didn't. Um, and Fox, his, his, his one friend is just there to be like, Hey, everyone's okay. You know, you didn't, you didn't do what you could have done. Um, and it's okay. But the, the emotion in the emotion in these two characters here, but Fox in particular, I mean, he's taken an animal shape and in giving it so much emotion with just few lines on the, on the eye and the, and the, and the, and the way that his posture is in the head. Um, it's a real, I mean, there's a, he's a real talent. And then, and this panel, 
Um, I mean, we could draw cool action all day long and, and, and crazy uh, landscapes and stuff like that. But when you nail moments like this, that's when you're a real master and, and Jorge is a real master. So I'm going to hop to the next page um, where this is where we find out that, that, you know, the reader starts finding out as does Abel that the, this is the, the mystic, uh, mystic mind of Magdalena who they were looking for. Um, and you know, she's kind of like, Oh yeah, once I was that, um, and you know, this is giving again, you know, peppering this with more history of, of not just Maggie, but the relationship of Bobby and Maggie and, you know, um, and then tying it back to, to an old character, Jeb, you know, who, um, who we met in issue two, um, who, who came into Abel's life and he's, you know, tied him here. And, and, uh, I don't know if I say it here or not. I guess I could, I mean, it's not that much of a, oh yeah, here we go. We're going to go to the next page. Um, Bobby kind of giving her, you know, Bobby only knows the current Maggie, which, you know, is a little bit more, um, you know, rough, real little, little, uh, you know, she runs this place. She's a boss of a lot of like men and rusty mechanic mechanics. Um, and she kicks ass, right? She's, she's just a hardcore woman. And, and, uh, you know, Bobby, Bobby likes, I think Bobby likes to think that she's very much like her, you know, maybe a little bit of, in, in, in a few ways and, and, and gives her a little shit when she's like, you know, kind of making fun of her that she used to dress up all fancy, like this fancy gypsy. Um, and, uh, they, then we hear, we reveal that this is that, that Maggie is Jeb's brother or Jeb's sister. And that, so there's a connection there and a history there. Um, and again, you know, sometimes we hint to some history that we, that we may or may not get back to later. We'll, we'll deal with that later. But, um, so we find out that they're, they're, they're related. Um, now we're going to figure out that Bobby or, uh, that Abel is obviously he's, he's about dead here. Right. <laughs> like, um, so they are like, we're going to give him a trailer. He's going to stay the night and we're going to figure this out. Um, next page. So we got a couple days later. Uh, this is another panel. Now, Jorge drew this, this first panel, Jorge drew this panel so well. Um, and in inks, it was so beautiful, but when Jean colored it, like seriously stare at this panel for about 20 seconds, I promise you, you will start to feel like the rain's moving. It just looks like this looks like a scene straight out of an animated movie. These two, this is what happens when two like artistic geniuses are just working together on a page. Um, they produce something with as much, um, atmosphere and mood in depth as this that's this panel right here, wrench and Fox sitting outside, um, this little trailer getting to know each other. You know, these are the sidekicks of, of two younger characters. Um, and they're kind of having their moment with each other. And it's, you know, we're talking about trust, um, you know, and, and we're, this is a scene that's going to help up to this point too, nobody, you know, again, I know a lot of people have questions about Fox and you're just going to have to keep having questions because, um, that's the fun of stories, man. We don't answer all the questions. We have them sometimes, sometimes we don't, but giving you the answers is, uh, you know, that's what we're doing in the book. So sometimes you're going to know exactly why a thing is. And sometimes you're just going to have to think about it yourself and, you know, wonder what works for you best. Um, but Fox is a character who obviously is, is Abel's right, right hand pal and we haven't really dove into a lot of what makes fox 
tick or why Fox is there or, and here, you know, we, we wanted to show like, he's going to, he's waiting outside because, um, I don't know you people. And that's my boy in there. Right. That's, that's my man. And so you, I don't know you guys, you know, um, and, and robot has a couple, um, uh, you know, a, cu- a couple of, I think cool under like cool things to say about, you know, knowing people and trust. And is that, you know, is that the same thing? You know, does that, is that all it takes to trust somebody is to know them you know, or whatever. So, um, and then we got Abel coming back out, uh, waking up. Finally, he's in like a nightgown of Bobby's cause he just needed some new clothes. Uh, we're going to go to the next page. Um, here we go. We got, we're going to go to the next page, Bobby and, um, Abel have been um, kind of summoned to go see Maggie here, and so they're they're going. And this is again a scene. All these scenes, you know, obviously, uh, you know, are there to move the plot forward. But you know, this is another scene too where I needed a little back and forth. You know, Bobby's going to be a character, you know, that's going to be important to Abel's life, and we need to start their relationship in a lot of way. And we need to see that, you know, that that she has a little bitterness to this other kid coming along, you know, she's in, and he's a little annoying and she's, you know, she's definitely a character who I think feels like she's older than she is. So she's going to be a little bit more bossy. And, and I wanted, I wanted to be able to have a little moment with that. And, you know, that we're and, and show that robots, you know, not beyond giving her a little shit as well. Um, I don't know that we, I think I say it somewhere in here. I'm not reading this as I go to because I didn't. I wanted to make sure that I kind of looking at the story. This is another thing to 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 Jorge. So I'm jumping around a lot in my brain, but this is another thing with Jorge. I'm able to tell you guys this story uh, or comment and give this commentary as I'm basically just looking at the panels. I didn't want to get to a place where I'm just sitting here reading dialogue balloons. <laughs> um, so in in most cases, I'm just kind of looking at what's happening in the story and then talking about it. Obviously, I wrote it, so I, I have a lot of that in my head. But um, it's a real testament. It's a real testament to Jorge and Jean because um, Jean is helping us. Uh, Jean helps with time of day a lot. So I don't have to constantly tell the reader what time it is. Um, I do that with Jean. And you'll notice that. Go back through issues. Um, in the script, I'll say, Jean, let's do a time change here. Or Jean will remind us, hey, it's been nighttime for two issues. I'm going to switch it up on this scene. So everybody's jumping in with their storytelling uh, their storytelling skills here. And it really is a treat when you have a team that works like that together. So um, we have them. They're going to go see Maggie and her trailer. Um, and now we're inside. We're going to go to the next page. So now we're inside. We are seeing Maggie in her um, area, which is, you know, going to be a similar kind of environment to, to where we had Jeb. But whereas um, Jeb's was very um, herb, herbal and, and nature driven and medicinal, um, Maggie's has you can see a crystal ball there. There's a lot of books, which you know could be a lot of spell books and magicy books or things like that, maybe. Um, and here's, here's something with that. If you notice, we have really made it a point to not just flat out say, um, you know, these people are wizards or this is a witch or this is a thing. That is not, we're, I don't want this to ever feel like we are telling a one-to-one fantasy story. Um, there's elements of fantasy. And Jorge and I refer to it as the 70-30 rule where it's, and I think, you know, I think Miyazaki does this really great. Um, I think it's a really great, it's a really great tool in a lot of storytelling. But, you know, I, I, I like, we like to kind of look at our world as like 70% normal 
and then we, we, we season it with 30% other flavors, you know? Um, and so that's where it's here. We want to show you some items that you, you're going to pick up as like magical or mystical or things like that. We're not going to highlight them. We're not going to put big arrows. And now I'm telling you about it, which is probably highlighting it. But, um, you know, that's what these commentaries are for. Right. Um, so, you know, the, again, that's up to you to wonder, like, what's the level here? Like, what's the level of knowledge out in the world of this? Is everybody aware of this? There's only a few. That's that's uh, the, those are the questions that we like to make you ask. Um, or, you know, we kind of put things out there and make you ask them. And then, uh, we, sometimes it's interesting for us just to hear your answers. Um, it's, it's fun. That's, that's, it's comic books are great like that. They, because they come out, you know, every month and they're little pieces of story. So we have a lot of time in between these bursts of story to talk about it and, and fill each other in. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's just a really fun medium. Um, so we've got Maggie and, and Abel kind of talking about his dilemma, um, uh, she is there because now Abel is going there for her for help, but he stole from her. So she runs a business. She is not, she is, she is not necessarily at this point very concerned with, um, she's not super concerned with, um, whatever Abel wants. She's like, Hey, I run this business and I have a reputation and you just came in here and stole from me. Like you stole from me. So, I, you know, that something has to be done. This has to be reconciled. Um, and Abel, this is another character building moment that we want. Um, Sana, 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 uh, Amnat at Marvel, uh, has been an editor of mine for God, eight, eight years or so. And when I first started writing rocket raccoon, there was my first script. I had had rocket do something and, and she was, she reminded me like, Hey, this is cool, but you need to find a way in for Rocket to have decided to do this on his own and not be told to do it. Um, you know, which one, one is your character choosing to go through their own story, and the other one is you know the story dragging your character through the plot. Um, and it's easy because you have a plot worked out already. It's very easy for things to come along and grab your character's hand and say, "Okay, here's the next place to go." But you want your you want your characters to make the choice on their own. Um, and if, if you can find your way there and, and this is one of those where I could have easily had Maggie say, you stole from me and here's how we're going to work that out. You're going to work for me. Um, but it's not what I want to do is, is not only show that Abel is going to decide his own fate here for, for one of the, you know, for one of the first times in his young life um, where, but he's also, aware that he's a hard worker and we're letting you know as a reader that he's a hard worker. If you remember the whole, this whole story started off because he, he accidentally woke up late for one of the first times ever for his, you know, his paper route. He had a job and he's a young boy in school and he already had a job and woke up every day at four 30 in the morning, to deliver papers to the small town. And so this is to remind you that Abel is not afraid of hard work. And he's, so he's deciding, Hey, I've got an offer for you. I will work for you. I'll stay here. I'll work off my debt. Um, it gives Abel a lot of agency in his own story. So, um, so we have that and that then gives us the place where we, we, um, if you can hear, see, he ends this page with saying, I'm not afraid of a little work. Um, so we're going to go to the next page, um, where that's kind of the deal. Like they've, 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 uh, they've got the deal made between the two of them, but Abel's like, okay, but Hey, I came here for a reason. 
uh, and he shows her, you know, the, 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 the mark or his curse or whatever, you know, how, however anybody likes to refer to this, but the mark where his dad has touched him and obviously seems to be the source of, of this um, dilemma that he's got going on. Um, so we, we, we have a little bit of Abel talking about where it came from and his dad and um, we're going to go to the next page. Oh, no, here we go. We got um, she he's asking her for help to cure this because, you know, he Jeb tried, but it's it's an ointment it, or he thought, you know, he's like, this is you, you, this is too deep. You know, ointments will not fix this. This is an this is an inside thing. And obviously, you know, uh, Maggie has shown herself to have some some sort of mystic mind things going on with her. So. Um, she's like, I can try, but I can't promise anything. Um, and so Abel's kind of, you know, we're going to go to the next page and then Abel gets pretty excited, like, cool. Like, all right, what's going to be your options here? Let's do it. And she's like, well, you know, we're kind of doing this right now. Um, again, this is, this is, these are moments where we got to, we're teaching Abel. This is at the, at the heart of everything. This is a coming of age story, Right. Um, Abel is learning things about life, about surviving, about what it is to, to grow up and, and, and go from being a boy to, you know, a young kid to an adult. Um, and part of that is patience, right? When we're kids, we just want it now. Like, you know, my three-year-old just doesn't understand. It's like, he just wants everything right now. Um, and Abel's like, cool, you're gonna help me cool right now. Let's do it. Uh, this is another moment where we're using this, you know, the trappings of the story to highlight character traits, in, in youthful characters and say, like, look how pa- impatient they are and they, they need to be taught like, Hey, yeah, you, you might need a thing, but also I need a thing and something else needs to happen. So, um, uh, she has to kind of get ready for it and he has to get ready for some stuff. And he, he she thinks she's going to pull out some magic book in a, but it's not, it's, it's a more of a, uh, you know, handbook on how to fix things. And cause he's getting ready to go do his job. Now he offered up his services to kind of help keep the, the carnival afloat or, you know, fixed up for a while. So we're going to go to the next page where we, we put Bobby out in the world or we put Abel back out in the world. He's teaming up with, uh, with wrench and Bobby, or we put Abel back out in the world, going out to meet with wrench and Bobby and start his new job, his new life. He is now going to be a part of, uh, the Hearst family amusements, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, this is the first time since Abel's journey had started where he's running away from his dad to survive, where he's found a place to maybe exist. Um, even though it's not by choice necessarily, it's somewhat of his choice since he offered it up. Um, so we're, it's a new, it's a new, um, phase of Abel's journey, which, in some ways he, you can see like he's smiling again. There's people here and, and you remember that, you know, the, his friends back home, even though they got him caught shoplifting, were still his buddies. Like they still were a choice that he would always make over going home um, because there was a comfort there. There was a camaraderie there. And you can see here, he's anxious to get in here and kind of jump, in, jump in the fray. Fox, not so much. Fox is like, this is your, this is your deal, buddy. Like uh, I'm out of here. Um, all right. We're going to go to the next page where uh, we cut back to Maggie's place. Um, she is now trying to figure out how she's going to be able to help this kid. And she needs to check and see where her brother is and what's going on with this guy. So 
she goes into her mystical situation, sees her brother. We cut back to Jeb's cool hobo junkyard, as I call it. Hobo, hobo woodland junkyard is the way how I refer to it. Um, uh, we cut back to that, which I, I'm so glad we, we, we came back and we're finally getting back to Jeb. He is one of the coolest character designs ever, man. Um, he just looks so badass. I love it. This is such a good character design that that uh, that Jorge did. Um, I just can't get enough of it. Um, so we cut back to uh, Jeb's place. He's just doing doing his thing, um, you know, cleaning up some stuff. He he brought a haul home, so he's relocating it to a higher level. As he's pulling, the wind starts picking up out of nowhere. He drops his load. Um, messes that whole thing up and then you hear a voice come from uh, off panel and behind him and we go to the next page and we see dale who the last time we saw dale that wasn't a flashback was dale was setting out on the road to hunt down his boy um and we left it pretty ambiguous on what the purpose was i mean you know is he mad at him is he you know is he scared for him is he going to punish him? Is he going to love him? You know, what are, what, what is, we don't know. Um, but Dale has now, is now at least someone on the trail of Abel and he has met up with Jeb. So that wraps up the issue, the dun, 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 have you seen my son? Um, and now we're like, uh, oh, what's gonna, what's gonna happen here? Guess what? I know what's gonna happen. Um, I'm not gonna tell you though. Uh, that is... Issue five of Middle West. Um, again, there's there's so many cool moments in this issue. Uh, it's really got. I, I really this is one of the first issues. No, no, that's a, that's a wrong, wrong way for me to say it. I remember very specifically finishing this issue, um, writing this issue, and being very proud of the structure of it. Um, being very excited to have the flashback blend so well with the cutting back to the, the cliffhanger action of the last issue to calming it down and slowing it down a bit. So there was, there was, there was, there was big emotional moments here. There was actiony moments, mystical magic moments. Then we have a lot of cool character friendship moments happening. And then we swing all the way back again to a little like fearful moment where we're not sure what's going to happen. Um, so all in all, this is this is one of the issues that I just was I was so excited when I was done writing it. I was so excited when Jorge finished. Uh, I was so excited when Jean finished his part because I think Jean came in. Like I said, they, there's probably two of my favorite panels so far in this one issue. Um, everybody just did such a killer job um, from top to bottom on this thing. So um, had a lot of fun uh, making it. Had a lot of fun talking to you about it. Um, I have no idea what, how long I've been yapping. Um, so, uh, I think, um, that might be all, um, I really want to thank, um, everybody who's picked up this book. Um, first and foremost, I want, I need to thank all the retailers out there who, who have supported it. Um, this is a little known thing, but we have, uh, you know, and, we have we have uh, went up in sales somehow, which never happened. Rarely, rarely happens in comics. Usually, you know, an issue comes out and then it just keeps going down. 
Um, and you know, that's just how it always happens. That's how it happens for all of us. Um, every, you know, but somehow the retailers have really went to bat for this, for the, this book. And, um, and, uh, we have turned the sales back to an upward, uh, it is, they're going up now instead of dropping at each issue. Um, which means you guys are liking it and which means the retailers, are uh, doing a great job of, of sharing the love for this comic book. Um, and, and me and, and Jorge and John and Nate and Kent and Carrie and all the other fine folks at Image can't thank you guys enough um, for doing. Um, so there you go. I appreciate it. I hope you guys stick around. We've got a lot more story to tell in this world with Abel. Um, and his and his and his uh, coming of age quest that he's on. So, um, yeah, I'll see you guys next time. Hopefully, I'll come back and do another one of these things uh, if, if Ben will have me. So, all right, take care. Thank you. Forever dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever.